What a great day. Hey, my name's Mike. I get to serve as pastor. If you are new with us, today's your first time or first time back in a while. Or if you're joining us online, we want to say a big welcome to you. And thank you so much for being a part of our services. You can connect with us if you would. Please text the letters LPC to 31996. We'd love to follow up with you. Hey, um, like Pastor Jordan said, so excited about uh, new small groups that are kicking off this summer. And also, I just want to thank you again for being a generous church. We've been asking you for the last couple of weeks to really pray about growing in serving and growing in generosity. And this is the way you need to pray about that. God, what would you like me to do to serve others? No strings attached. We do serve day on July 10th. It's an easy on-ramp for some of you, but maybe you need to serve your neighbor. Maybe you need to serve a coworker, serve your boss, serve somebody that serves, works for you. And just serve people. Make it a point this summer in all your planning to give some time to others as well. And then ask God, say, Lord, what, what would you like me to do to increase in generosity? And then just do what God says. Isn't that a novel idea? Obey God. You have a direct access to God because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So just pray. Ask the Lord and do what he says. All right, everybody? Hey, uh, I got to tell you two things. Number one, uh, we are finally ready. Last March, because of COVID, uh, we had to close our second and third location in Clarksville, which we're meeting in schools, one in West Creek. West Creek. <laughs> Start this over again. Last year, we had to close two of our campuses because they met in schools. One's at West Creek Middle School. And uh, we're still not able to get back into our schools, so we just went in and bought land. And we're going to build a building. Thank you for paying for it. Don't clap. You heard what I said. <laughs> Second, uh, we had a campus at Austin P. State University. And just because of pandemic and restrictions, we just said we'll wait until we're able to come back full force with no restrictions. And I'm very excited. This September, we're going back to Austin P. State University. Come on, everybody. So we are relaunching our Austin P. campus this fall, this September. And I'm, I'm really excited. Working with the athletic department, working with student athletes, and then students all over campus. We want to... Uh, we want to really bring a lot of support to our Austin P campus. This is not just a, an, another side thing we do. It's a main thing we do, just so you guys know. And so we're actually moving the service time to 11 a.m. If you live near downtown, if you're in that part of town and would like to help us. Actually, I'm just going to ask from the platform, we would love to see 500 of you leave our Rossview campus or leave your living room if you're in Clarksville and join us to help relaunch our Austin P campus. If you would scan this QR code right now, you can grab your phone. Come on, nobody's grabbing the phone. You're just looking at this QR code. Uh, you can scan this QR code to register or get more information about how to be involved. We're going to talk about this every week until we launch. We would love to see hundreds of you leave the Rossview campus, make that your main campus. Same message, same worship set. It's going to be great. And uh, one hour service. And we're moving it to 11 a.m. So it'll be a Sunday morning experience. And then uh, sometimes during the semester, we'll offer lunch for students after the service. But we would love for hundreds of you to make room at our Rossview campus and also help serve uh, the Austin P campus. Go with Pastor Jordan and Aaron, his wife, and help us relaunch this campus to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. Come on now. Well, hey, today is Father's Day, and I want to say Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. We want to celebrate you and say Happy Father's Day. Listen, if you are a dad or have a dad, it's a great day to show honor, and we love you, fellas. In fact, all the guys, we have a gift for you, all the men of the church today. We have a gift for you as you walk out of the building. We have an ice-cold root beer for you on the way out, so just crack that on your teeth if you're a real man, or uh, I think it's a twist-off. But... Uh, Hey, let me just encourage the men right now, because honestly, we are living in a day where um, we just need some encouragement. So ladies, tune in if you want, but all the men just look at me right now. I'm, I'm going to be your pastor for a second. I want to encourage you and challenge you. 
And I talked about this at our men's night, which is online. You can go back and watch it. God has called you specifically and designed you and intentionally made you as a man. And he knew what he was doing. And in the scripture, Paul writes to the men of the church and he tells them in one passage, he says, act like men. And guys, I want to challenge you to stand for God. I want to challenge you to lead well, to fight the devil and walk in authority. Quit fighting with other people and fight the real enemy, the devil. Take care of other people, serve others, protect the weak and stand up for the marginalized. Sacrifice your own needs and desires so that others may thrive. Dads, I want to challenge you. Honor God by serving your families. Honor God by leading others well. Honor God by showing up often. Men, I want to challenge you to honor God by walking and living in humility and grace and growing in godliness. I want to challenge you to honor God by owning your mistakes. Repent quickly. Walk in humility. I want to encourage you to honor God by loving people. Honor God by honoring God. Guys, I want to challenge you. Your heavenly father loves you. He is for you. He believes in you. He made you. And he wants to gift you with his spirit. Many of us have pain associated with fathers. And I want you to know that our heavenly father is a good, good father. He is our model and example. I remember as a young Christian hearing in a sermon once, this verse out of Psalms, that he would be the father to the fatherless. That was me growing up my whole life. And God ended up putting men in my life to help shape me and father me and ultimately restoring and repairing fully the relationship that I have with my natural father. But I'm telling you, no matter what pain you have associated with fathers or fatherhood, God is a good father. And he is our model. He's our example of goodness and grace. Men, he's a father that's close to you. He never leaves you. He's always good. Dads, draw close to your heavenly father this year. And I pray that this year you will grow to be the fathers, to grow to be the dads that God has appointed you and anointed you to be, to God be the glory, looking more and more like him all the time. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? Come on, Lord, we thank you for dads. We thank you for fathers. And Lord, we thank you that it is a privilege and a joy to be a father. I pray that if any of us are not uh, just walking in spiritual fatherhood, Lord God, and leading in our families and serving well, that God, we'd repent of that today and turn our face towards our families, our kids, and those that we are called to care for. God, help us to do better. Help us to grow in this. And Lord, we pray that every father would feel a confidence because the Lord is on the inside of them, working through them and in them. Lord, we rebuke shame and condemnation, any kind of guilt. Lord God, we thank you that you're a healer and a forgiver of all those things. And that, Lord, you would help us to live in a way that honors you as men, as dads, and as fathers. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Father's Day, men. I love you. It's an honor to be your pastor. All right, hey, turn with me again to Acts chapter 3. We are continuing in our series in the book of Acts, and I've titled the message today, Let's Bring Attention to Jesus. Come on, let's focus our attention on the Lord. We're going to pick up in Acts 3 right after the healing of the man who was born paralyzed, paralyzed from birth. And uh, Peter and John, if you weren't with us last week, Peter and John, best friends to Jesus, uh, very close to Jesus. They're apostles of this new Christian experience, the church. Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray for an hour of prayer, an hour of prayer service. How many be thankful for prayer times? Come on. Tuesdays, 9 a.m., hour of prayer at Life Point Church. And as they're walking into the temple, there was a man who was paralyzed. Somebody placed him outside of the temple every day to pray and to ask, rather, to beg for alms for money. And Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give to you. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Picks him up by the right hand, stands the guy up, his ankles become well. He gets healed miraculously for the first time in his whole life. He begins to walk. And the Bible says the first thing he does is he leaps, which I think is hilarious. Um, but anyway, hey, 
If you've never done any of that before, it's your first step is a leap. He walks, he rejoices, he worships God. And for the first time ever, he walks himself into the temple to worship the Lord. And that brings us to the response of the people, the next part in chapter three. And uh, it's a bit of a long passage. It's a little nerdy. I need everybody to just walk this text with me through. And we're going to see the the hand of God in this passage with us. So grab your Bibles again in chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. But before before I get that, I want to just say I realized that last week's message and last week's passage not only showed the power of God in Acts 2 and is encouraging and powerful, but I also know that a text like that can leave us with a lot of questions. And a text like we read last week and the sermon that I preached last week can, can leave us with a lot of questions or maybe some, some areas of, of discomfort or dissatisfaction. Specifically, if we've been asking God for a miracle, we've been asking God to heal our marriage, we've been asking God to physically heal us or do something magnificent, bring some breakthrough in our lives, and yet we haven't experienced the miracle power of God like that in our lives. Is that true of anybody in this church, right? You've been waiting on God and you feel like you're still waiting. Thank you, one person. And maybe you've wrestled with questions about why does God do for them and why hasn't he done for me? In fact, last week I got quite a bit of feedback uh, to that effect. People that were feeling terrible after that message or, or feeling like, man, why did, why did God heal this paralyzed man and not heal my marriage? Why did God do that for him? And so I, I wanna speak to that for just a moment as a pastor and, and take this moment to, to just challenge us with how we think through this and how we reflect on it. So let me just pass to you for just a moment as a follow-up to last Sunday, and then we'll get into the rest of uh, Acts chapter 3. Miracles are an interesting part of the Christian experience. I, I don't doubt that God is a miracle worker, and he still does miracles. Absolutely. I've seen it in my own uh, life. I've seen it in the ministry of this church. And it, here's the thing, though. Miracles are not something we can force God to do. We don't encant miracles from God. We're not shamans or Eastern mystics. We're, we're Christians. We follow a God who sovereignly walks at his own pace. We don't boss him around in Jesus' name. We don't, we don't demand him to do things on our behalf and then get mad at him when he doesn't do, he's not our employee. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And miracles are not something we force God to do. It's usually completely out of our control. And sometimes we read a passage like what we saw last week and we ask, why doesn't God do that for me? Well, I want to remind you, this is a very narrow story of, of where God chose to do a miracle and there was a purpose behind that. The reality is, listen, I want to reframe how we think about those challenges because here's something that we have to remember. God is good no matter what he does for us. God is always good no matter if he answers your prayer the way you demand it or not. God is always good no matter what he does for us. And the greatest, most miraculous activity God ever does for us or towards us is the miracle of changing a stone heart into a heart of flesh, of changing a lost person into a saved person, of taking a faraway person and making them a son. The greatest miracle God does is salvation. And listen, if you've received that, then listen, this body will fall apart. The money will dry up. Ultimately, we take none of that with us to heaven. The greatest miracle is that God saves us and brings us into heaven with him forever. Almost every time you see a miracle in the New Testament, healings, raising people from the dead, blind eyes, people delivered from demons, all these kind of things, it's almost always God using those moments to point other people to him. Not exclusively, but almost always it's a gift of God to point people to himself. Rarely does God just do miracles to make the life of Christians more comfortable. 
He often does miracles in order to draw people that are far from him close to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So listen, miracles don't save people. If that's the case, then all the Israelites would have been gloriously saved. The problem was on the back end of one of the greatest miracles, walking through the Red Sea, they get into the promised land and turn around and start complaining and go, we should go back to Egypt where we had three meals and a cot, you know? Miracles don't change hearts. Miracles point us to the one who changes hearts. And they were very often done so that non-believers would see the power of this powerful God and be drawn to him. Now, I'm not trying to be discouraging here. I'm just trying to pastor us through some of those questions that we dealt with last week. God has a way of also training and tempering us in times that we need the miraculous because he loves us as sons and daughters. Listen to what I'm saying. There are times that God will not answer your prayer, but he'll still draw you close to him through the pain of whatever you're going through. Think about it like this. Paul and Peter were both used by God to pray for, lay hands on the sick. People got healed. There's a text coming up in a few weeks where it says literally Peter was so filled with the spirit as people were under his shadow, they got healed. That's another level of ministry. You know what I'm saying? That's not even waving jackets or blowing on people. That's just my shadow heals them. That's amazing, but it only happened one time. And God used Peter and Paul in some very amazing ways. But when Peter and Paul sought the Lord for the miraculous, God didn't necessarily answer their requests. In fact, Peter would die as a martyr for his faith in Jesus. He was thrown into prison multiple times, beaten within an inch of his life. God didn't stop the beatings because God used those moments for Peter, used those moments in the life of Paul. In fact, Paul wrote in one of his letters that he had a thorn in the flesh that multiple times he petitioned the Lord to remove. In fact, one of his letters, he says to the church, he says that his eyesight was failing, that they, scholars believe he was going blind. And as he prayed to be healed, God responded with not healing Paul and telling Paul, you're asking for healing, but my grace is actually good for you. What's my point? I want us to see the power of God in our lives and in our church. I absolutely believe God does miracles, and I want to see God do miracles in you and even more for those who he's pursuing. But I also know that God will not waste our pain. Pastor Randy uses that quote a lot in counseling. God will not waste our pain, and he will work all things together for good. And sometimes the great miracle is not God healing you, but walking you through something that will make you stronger and grow you to be more like him. Jesus himself prayed that the cross would be removed for him, but yet God allowed him to go through that for the good of obviously Christ, but ultimately for us. So sometimes the miracle is that God walks you through something and he'll grow you more because you've endured that thing than you would have grown if he just fixed that thing. Does that make sense? I remember when I graduated from seminary, my master's degree, and I thought, man, I, I pled with the Lord for a job and direction about work and for a ministry job. I wanted to be on staff at a church or be pastoring a church. And I left my graduation and threw my cap and gown in the trunk and put on my Papa John's t-shirt. <laughs> and I just remember how difficult months, I mean, I graduated in May. I didn't get a ministry job till October. And for months, I just remember thinking this was so hard. This is so gut-wrenching hard. I was making like back when minimum wage was for real minimum. Y'all talking, I'm talking $6.50 an hour or $6.25 an hour. Y'all remember when minimum wage actually hurt? And I just remember the Lord just through those seasons. I remember delivering pizzas and getting the, the 
22 cent change off a $20 bill, you keep the change. And I'm like furious with God, punching my seat, mad at God, going, I gave all this time. I'm your servant. What are you doing with me? And God was shaping me and challenging me and changing me. And God will use your pain. He'll use the season. Don't neglect, don't forget the fact that your salvation is your greatest miracle. How can God work through your physical impairment? How can God work through the crisis in your relationships? I've watched people go through very painful breakups and God just use that to draw them closer to him. I've watched people fight their flesh with temptations and, and desires that don't please the Lord and they'll go, God, I wish you just deliver this from me. And God goes, but, but when you're weak, I'm made strong. So let's trust the Lord. I don't, listen, I told you last week, I said, I feel like a text like that can very often leave us with a lot more questions than answers. And I don't have all the answers for us. I'm just trying my best to pastor this church. It's the only place I'm responsible for is your pastor. But just remember that God may be doing something different in you than what you're asking him for. And let's trust that he's good no matter what. He never is trying to hurt you. God is never trying to punish you. He's never sitting in heaven going, well, you deserve this. Just reframe the way you're watching those things and say, God, what are you trying to show me now? Y'all hearing what I'm saying? But the greatest miracle is that you get to go to heaven and that you be a son and a daughter of the Lord Jesus. So after this miracle takes place in Acts 3, Peter then preaches his second sermon. I mean, this guy's three chapters in the, in the Acts and he's already preaching twice, getting after it. His first sermon produced thousands of people saved. And I'm telling you, his second sermon got him thrown into prison orange jumpsuit, face of Clarksville now. <laughs> he just mug shot it up <laughs> for preaching. So as we go into this next response, this man is healed miraculously and he leaps around and he's walking into the temple praising God. And it says at the end of the last text we saw, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to this man. And the first thing we're going to see in the response to this now, you got to remember Peter and John are just walking to the temple to go for prayer. And then all of a sudden God shows up and does a miracle. And now Peter has to explain it. And the first thing we're going to see is nothing will stop the good news of Jesus Christ. Now watch how Peter responds. You'd think he'd be like, yeah, isn't this awesome? Who else wants some? Come on, zap, 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 pow, pow, pow. No, he doesn't do that. He starts teaching, which I love that about Peter. He very often goes to teaching. He's not a miracle guy. He's a preacher. So it says, the next verse says that while he, the paralyzed man who's now able to walk, clung to Peter and John, which I think is funny. I, I, I wonder if he's clinging to them because like that's his new bro, you know, like super best friend, come on. Or maybe he's not confident that he can walk yet. Like he's brand new, never walked in his life. So now he's just grabbing Peter and just hanging on. Or maybe he's just so enamored with the power of God in this man's life. I don't know why this, it's, I think it's really interesting that Luke took time to tell us this guy hung on to Peter and John. But it says, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico. This is like a courtyard called Solomon's Portico. An interesting response of the people. Remember what I said earlier. Very often when God does a miracle, it's to draw people to himself. And the first, the, the immediate response of everybody standing there is they run to this courtyard and they're running to Peter. They're trying to figure out Peter, like is he the new Messiah? Is he the new miracle guy? Is he the new one to fix all of our problems? 50 days ago, they remembered hearing about Jesus doing that, but they crucified that guy. So who knows why they're running there, but, but the immediate response of the crowd, notice Luke's language, all of the people, 
utterly astounded. The previous verse in verse 10 and 11, or verse 10 says, they were all filled with wonder and amazement. Now they're astounded and they run to this portico called Solomon's to figure out what this miracle was. And then when Peter saw it, he spoke to them. Listen, I think part of what we have to start doing more of is explain the gospel to people. Like Peter's response was not just to go, who's next? Who else needs it? Yeah, 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 look what I did. He begins to teach. He explains to them. He addresses the people and he starts by saying, men of Israel, remember they're in Jerusalem, right? And this is at the temple at Jerusalem. He goes, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? I, I feel like that's such a, of course people are wondering. A paralyzed man was miraculously healed. Peter's minimizing that. He's going, we serve a powerful God. We serve an amazing miracle working. Why is this wonderful to you? And I, I got to tell you something, church, I think God moving in our city and in our companies and in our jobs and in our neighborhoods should become normal. Peter goes, why do you wonder at this? And then he asks this question, or why do you stare at us, John and Peter, as though by our own power or piety, which means like godliness or holiness, by our own power or piety, as if we've made him walk. And by the way, that is still the temptation of people. We want to chase faith healers or the latest prophet to go get a word. You can get a word from God himself. You don't need to chase some TV preacher to get your healing. You need to come and let God heal you because he's a healer. Listen, we don't have the power to heal people is what he's saying. Why are you looking at us? Because that's what they all did. They ran to Peter in the middle of Portico to look to him for these kind of miracles. He goes, why are you looking at me? Why do you wonder about this? Why do you look as if, as if I have the power to heal this guy or if I'm holy enough pious enough, that I'm good enough for God to use me. Listen to this. I want to be very clear here. We don't have the power to heal people. Look at me when I say it. We don't have the power to heal people. It's God's power at work in us to heal power. We don't have the power to save people. I've had people say to me before, Pastor, I'm so thankful for you. You saved me. No, I didn't because I didn't hang on a cross for you and die and resurrect. I would have been the guy that quit. I'm out. No, forget it. Kill that my friend, Peter. There's his name. <laughs> Take him. We don't have the power to save people. We don't have the power. To, we don't change people's hearts. We don't do miracles. Peter's saying, why are you looking at us? As if I'm holy enough or powerful enough. Listen, God is the God of miracles. God is the one who does the miraculous. He's the one who answers prayer. He saves your family members. He brings your husband back or your wife back. He's the one who does the miraculous. It's not by our good works. It's not by our good intentions. It's not even by our goodness enough. Like we, we have this unfortunate theology, even especially among the charismatic world, that we think if we can just say it the right way or if we're holy enough or if we've given enough or if we follow the right leader, that we can demand God, no. It is never about us. It's always about him. Many of us have felt guilty over the years because we think that our sin level or our secret life or our lack of prayer or not enough faith is what's limited the miracles of God. Why hasn't God healed me? Well, you don't have enough faith. That is terrible theology and it's abusive and painful. And Peter's pushing back going, why do you think it's our power or holiness that's made God? God did this. I mean, Peter and John were not walking around going, who can we heal today? Who can we heal today? Who can we heal? They're going, man, we're going to be late for prayer. Let's go. And they were unfortunately interrupted by a guy. And when they were interrupted, God showed up because Peter's attitude was what I do have, I give you. In the name, I don't even have what you're asking for, but in Jesus' name, get up and walk. But he says, why are you looking at us? Listen to me, church. We have to remember 
God wants to work through you. God doesn't need you to be him. We aren't good enough. He's good enough. We aren't holy enough. He's holy enough. But that's the power of God is that he works through the church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Ephesians 3.20 says, to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or manage according to the power of God at work in us. It's the power of God. It's not the power of your confession. It's not the power of your faith life. It's not the power of your giving. Because that puts us in the driver's seat. Can I tell you something? That was the sin of the Garden of Eden, that we could be just like God. And if we start thinking that we can control God, manipulate God, boss God around in Jesus' name, we're giving in a little bit to that same temptation. Y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Peter's like deflecting all attention away from himself. Why? Because he's wanting to point people to Jesus. And if anybody was pious enough, you would think it's Peter. The guy walked on water. You ever, I mean, that's like now a pejorative description that we use for holy people. Man, she's so godly, she could walk on water. He literally walked on water. And he's like, I'm still not holy enough to heal people. This is God that did that. You ever notice how we had taken compliments to make them an insult? Like when somebody does something dumb, we go, way to go, Einstein. That's like the greatest compliment ever. But no. <laughs> anyway, sorry, ADD. Then he goes on. Remember, he's explaining what happened because they ran to the portico to figure this out. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm nerding out here. I'm having a great time, but I've already read this. So do y'all care what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm just making sure. So then he goes on to teach. Now, this is a long verse. We're going to hit every verse of it. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that's language they all knew. Then he says, the God of your fathers glorified his servant Jesus. He didn't glorify that guy. He didn't glorify me, and he ain't glorifying you guys. He glorified his servant Jesus, and then he starts throwing hand grenades. Look at Peter. He glorified Jesus, whom you denied, you delivered over, and you denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. I mean, what a dig. He's like, yeah, you remember the guy that when Pilate was like, I don't find any reason to kill this guy, they were like, no, 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 kill him anyway. Peter's bringing all that up. He says, God has glorified the guy you denied, you delivered over to Pilate. He said, but you denied the holy and righteous one. He starts by admonishing the God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But he said, now you've denied the holy and righteous one. That's language for God, talking about Jesus here. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. I mean, this has taken a hard left turn. Anybody else feel like this is a beat down sermon from Peter? Could you imagine coming to Life Point one day and God does a miracle down here? And I'm like, yeah, the God you've been rejecting and shaming and not you know, standing for, and I just turn it on you as how horrible you are. That's what Peter's doing. They're trying to figure out how great God is in this miracle, and they're, he's reminding them. Here's why he's doing it. Watch this. He said, the, God, the guy you tried to take out, look at this. God actually raised him up from the dead. That's what we're all witnessing. This is what he's saying. Look, to this, we, this whole collective crowd, this is what we're watching. Here's what he's saying. The guy you tried to take out, no, no, no. God's going to raise him up. You delivered him. You rejected him. You denied him. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. You killed the author of life. But no, God raised him up, and that's what we're seeing. Because they're going, how in the world did this guy get healed? How did, how did this miracle happen? He's like, yeah, the guy you tried to take out, 
God's not done with him yet. He's still, in fact, he's still God, and he's still walking in authority. Peter's not playing games. I mean, he doesn't just talk about who Jesus is, but he puts him in God's eternal plan, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like, we've all been talking about God's eternal plan. You tried to reject him. Nope. You tried to deny him. Sorry. You delivered him up to death, traded him in for murder. You killed the author of life, but God raised him up, and that's what we're seeing. You try to take God out, but God's like, I won't be taken out. You think you killed him, but God raised him. You think you won against Jesus. God's never defeated. You think you stopped the Lord, but nothing will stop the good news of Jesus. Peter's saying, we saw you kill him. I mean, this is gutsy to say to the people. I mean, just celebrate the miracle, Peter. My goodness, chill. He's like, no, y'all tried to, y'all kill the author of life. But God's not done. And we're all seeing the power of a resurrected Jesus. By the way, this sermon gets Peter thrown in prison. So sometimes preaching is not that great. Let me just tell you. I mean, there's times I say truth from the Bible. I just read the scripture. And people get offended and blast me on social media or leave the church over it. I mean, this guy went to prison. At least he didn't do that. Thank you, officer, for not arresting me after a service one day. I appreciate it. Here's what he's saying. God's going to keep doing good even for those of you who tried to do him harm. Isn't that the world we're living in right now? <laughs> I mean, people are trying to silence the gospel. They're trying to cancel Christianity. Tr- I read an article last week that there's more persecution of Christians around the world than we've seen in decades. People are literally being beheaded and burned alive and shot in the head. I mean, people are being persecuted around the world right now. I introduced Sam Johnson to you the Sunday after Easter, and we built schools in, in Africa and South America and, and India and in um, Burkina Faso, Africa, two years ago. We dedicated a new seminary where we're planting churches and radical extremists killed like 20 of the pastors that we graduated out of that Bible college just like two years ago. And I asked him the question, I go, so what's the response of the nationals? He said, keep planting more churches, keep building the kingdom of God, keep going. You tried to kill Jesus, but God's raising him up. And this is what you're seeing, the miraculous power of a resurrected God. Man, that's the world we're living in. And listen to me. God will not be stopped. He still loves our world even if the world hates him. God still wants to reach the people that are choosing to reject him. It may become harder and harder to be a Christian. Our whole country may turn against the church. The gospel legislation may be heavy against Christianity, but nothing will stop the love of God, the plan of God, the heart of God, and the gospel of Jesus. It's never about us. It's never about those persecuting us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's always about Jesus, and you can't keep him down. The very people that literally killed him couldn't keep him down. Neither can anybody else because the plan of God, it's motivated by the heart of God. It's what God still wants to do. Listen, when you experience persecution or criticism in the world, just go praise God. This is an open door for God to do something good for the people who are trying to do evil to him. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I'm fired up. And then he goes, and his name not this guy's name. We never get this guy's name. You'd think like Billy's name would have made the Bible. He goes, in his name, by faith in his name, that's what's made this man strong, whom you now see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, here's the backside of this miraculous story for this guy. He died one day. So he has perfect health now. But it ended up, he, he ended up dying. So like even, even these miracles are temporary. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But 
But Peter is pointing not to the guy that got healed, not even to himself. He's deflected all of that. But he's pointing to Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus. You tried to take him out, but I'm telling you the power of God is still very much alive and changing lives in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So Peter gives them this gut punch, right? He's like, they're going, what's the meaning of this? And he goes, yeah, the guy you tried to that you crucify, that you tried to kill, yeah, he's very much alive, and he's doing all this. And then he, he turns his heart towards them. And I think this is really brilliant, the way Peter turns to them and gives them an invitation to turn to Jesus and calls it the only way to God. Watch this. In verse 17, he says, and now, brothers, which I appreciate this familial language of Peter. He goes, okay, I, I said all that hard stuff. Now, listen, family. Because Peter was a Jew, right? Like he, he knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like he knew all that language. And he turns to them and he says, now brothers. And this is great. It sounds like an insult, but I don't think he means it this way. I know that you acted in ignorance. You ever look at somebody and go, you are so ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think, here's, what, here's the tone I think Peter's really using. He goes, I just think you didn't know. Like you just, you didn't know. You didn't see it when he was here. You didn't listen to the prophets. Watch this. I know that you acted in ignorance. You just didn't get it. And so did your rulers. In other words, all the Pharisees are ignorant about this. All of the religious leaders that are talking about God and Messiah, he said, you're all ignorant. You didn't get it. You thought you knew, but you didn't. And that's very Old Testament. They, they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? He's like, I know. Like, brothers, listen, you just didn't know. And neither did the voices that are speaking into your life. But here's, here's him explaining. What God foretold by the mouth of all, everybody say all. all. All of the prophets. Here's what he's doing. All of the Bible you guys have been preaching and reading and talking about has been pointing to this. What God foretold by all the prophets that his Christ would suffer has been fulfilled. Here's what he's saying. This was always God's plan. You guys thought you killed the author of life, but it was part of God's plan that he would suffer and he would raise from the dead. And he said, all the prophets have told you this. And then you go back and study all the messianic prophecies throughout the Bible. Listen, scholars have studied this out. Every messianic prophecy about the Christ, about the Messiah was fulfilled in the resurrected Jesus. He's saying, you guys just weren't paying attention. God's been trying to say this to you forever through all of the prophets. You didn't get it. You didn't understand. You weren't listening. You didn't know any better. It's like they were deceived. They were listening to the wrong voices. And that's still what's happening now. People need the true gospel of Jesus even now. And unfortunately, people are ignorant to the truth of God. And unfortunately, sometimes it's our fault because we as the church have gotten in the way of people seeing the real Christ. His gospel is good, his love is long, his grace is powerful. I almost wrote this this week. We've got to be careful not to confuse Christians with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we say we're people in our world reject Jesus because his followers are mess-ups. And that's what Peter's saying. You guys were listening to the wrong voices. You were following the wrong leaders. You just didn't know any better. But he goes, this miracle, this paralyzed man being healed was so that you could connect the dots that a good God is for you, that a good God loves you, that a good God is coming after you. We got to be careful as the church that people in our world who, how many of you know somebody that just needs the Lord? We got to be careful that we're not the hindrance because we are focused on the wrong things or saying the wrong things or acting in a way that doesn't promote the Lord we say we follow. But he says the only way to God is by faith in this Jesus. 
As Christians, we believe that. But as Christians, we must also help other people see Jesus clearly. We must represent him well. We must walk in his power and authority, preach his word over our words. People are dying in their ignorance, and we need to tell them about the real Jesus. Then he gives them this invite. I mean, I love it. He's so strong. And then he goes, so therefore, therefore, whenever you see this in your scripture in the New Testament, basically it's based on everything I just said, here's what I'm saying now. So based on everything I just told you, here's the next action step. Here's the action step for them and for our world. Repent. Turn to God. That's what repentance means. It doesn't mean pay for your sin. Repentance doesn't mean feel shame and dis, like be flat, flogging yourself in the back or pay a bunch of penance or pray a bunch of Hail Marys. Repentance means uh, let God pay for your sin, turn to God. He says, repent, turn back, and here it is, ready? So that your sins may be blotted out, which is salvation language. And so that times of refreshing may come so that you can enjoy this life for God and eternal life from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things. This is him going, like, you got to receive this Christ who is actually in heaven right now praying for us until the time of restoring all things, which is an end time statement. And we can talk about that later. But then he points it back to their prophets about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago. Listen, he's saying, this miracle you guys are seeing is so that you'll see the hand of God and the heart of God coming after you. <laughs> the God you tried to kill is actually coming after you. The God you tried to crucify, the author of life that you, you, you put to death, God raised him up so that he can come after you. The reason he did this miracle for him is so that actually he can do the miracle of saving you, of you repenting and turning to God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Remember what I said earlier, how miracles are very often used by God to point people to God? That's what he's showing us here. God did this for you so that you would see the power of God. And the only way to God is through Jesus. Listen, we live in a, a messed up world. It's always been messed up. Since Genesis 3, it's always been messed up. And right now we have this broken theology that all roads lead to God and God knows your heart and just be a good person. That's just not true. God does know your heart and it's wicked. And that's why he gave us Jesus to change your heart. The miracle of the healed man was all about this sermon moment. Peter's not even talking about the miracle anymore. Isn't that interesting? He's not even talking about the miracle. He's talking about what God wants to do because of the miracle. He wants to change your heart. He wants to give you times of refreshing. He wants to blot out your sins. He wants to save you deliver you and make you his own. So all of this attention is about repent, turn to God, enter a good life. And then he shows this crowd, and I believe it's what we need more than ever, is that the blessings of God are found in Jesus Christ. He again quotes the Bible. I'm actually really proud of Peter. As I'm studying the book of Acts, I see more and more his command of scripture is actually pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So far in his sermonizing, and every time he preaches, he quotes the Bible all the time. Remember in Acts 2, he quotes Joel 2, like verbatim, five verses thick. Well, here again, he quotes Deuteronomy 18. Talk about obscure. Everybody knows the like famous passages, John 3.16, Austin 3.16, Psalm 23. Some of you got that. Okay. That's a wrestling joke. Come on now. That was a good one. Stone Cold Steve. Okay. But he pulls deep out, like Deuteronomy 18. You ever known really godly people that can pull out the most obscure verses? It's like the Bible says in Hezekiah chapter 3. There ain't a Hezekiah 3. See, that was a test. Some of you failed. You're like, hey, man, I know that verse. It's not there. Look what he says out of Deuteronomy 18. He said, Moses said, 
the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me. What kind of prophet was Moses? A savior, a deliverer, a leader. He goes, Moses even said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me from your brothers. And then look what Moses said. You should listen to him and do whatever he tells you. Moses was talking about Jesus. He said, God's going to raise up another prophet like me from our family, from our brothers, right? From the tribe of Judah. Judah. And he goes, you should listen to everything he says. So, so Peter is quoting Moses. Why is he doing that? To connect the dots of this miracle. The God that we've been reading about for decades, the God that we've been reading about for centuries has been talking about these moments that this Christ who you tried to kill would be the prophet raised up and you should do whatever he tells you. Give your life to God. It shall be that every soul who doesn't listen to Jesus, this prophet, shall be destroyed from the people. He's saying there's a consequence to this, right? And then he said, and all the prophets have spoken. This is great. Twice he said this. All the prophets have spoken about Jesus from Samuel and those who came after him. They have proclaimed these days. Here's what he's saying. And this is where I want to close. The Bible has always been pointing to moments like this where God will change people, do the miraculous to change your heart, where God will use moments to transform you. God has been after you. All the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Daniel, Hosea, Samuel, all these prophets have been proclaiming these days that a Christ would come, a Messiah would come, like a Moses, but even better. He'll save you, deliver you, transform you. And here's what I believe about that for you, that God's been using moments in your life, moments of victory, moments of pain, moments of breakthrough and moments of total devastation, but God's been using those moments because God works together all things for your good because he loves you. He's been working in your life to draw you unto himself, to let you know that he's a good father, that he loves you, that he's for you. God's been trying to get our attention as a human species for centuries. Some of us have focused too much on the miracle and not enough on the God of the miracles, but God is trying to get your attention. Jesus comes along for that purpose. The miracle of Jesus healing the man is one more attempt of God to get the attention of those people. And I'm convinced that God still does that. You're listening to this sermon because God's trying to get your attention. You may have clicked onto our website or our Facebook page thinking you're just scrolling casually, but God captured your attention to make sure that you heard this word, that he is after you, he's for you, that he loves you in every part of your life. He's allowed you to go through the highs and lows because he is trying to show you that he's for you and he loves you and he longs for you. You matter to God. He healed this man because they mattered to God. We never hear anything else about this man. He didn't come out with a book deal. He didn't do an MTV tour. He didn't do it. We know nothing about this guy, but we do see that people marveled at God, because God healed this man. He goes on and says, you're the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made, that through the offspring of Abraham, all the families of the earth should be blessed. God raised up his servant, that's Jesus. And he sent him to you first, Israel, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. There it is, God's plan. He healed him, he brought Jesus to turn us to God. Man, I think over my life, I think about how much of my life story was God's protecting me and provision for me. Even before I was born, there's a miraculous story of God's preserving me and keeping me. And along my journey, I, mean, I was the youngest of three with a single mom who worked all the time. We did a lot of dumb, unsupervised, flammable things. And God protected me. 
God preserved me. And I'm telling you, he's doing the same for you. It's not because of my power or piety that God does that in me. He's doing that in all of us. You know why? Because he's a good, good father. Because he loves you. And all of the prophets have talked about this Jesus. And all of your New Testament has talked about Jesus. And all that we talk about at this church is how much this God loves you. Our world may try to cancel Jesus, but he's never going to be canceled. Our world may shut the church down, but the church will never die. And will be very much alive because we serve a good, good father. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Lord, help us to hear your word today, to be transformed by it. God, maybe we've been ignorant of what you're trying to do through us. Maybe we focus too much on the deficiency that we've not seen the hand of a good God at work in our lives. Maybe we've seen our impairments or our, our, our physical ailments as a hindrance from you instead of an opportunity to walk with you. Maybe, God, we've seen our breakup as a failure instead of a revelation of some deeper brokenness, God. Maybe, maybe, Lord God, we've just not been paying attention. Lord, I pray right now that you'd open our eyes, open our hearts and our spirit to hear clearly what it is that you're doing in us because you love us, because you're for us, because you're walking with us. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would go deeper into relationship and fellowship with the Lord. That every one of us would lean into the presence of God, that we'd not just seek your deliverance or seek your miraculous, but we would seek you. And God, should you choose to heal, should you choose to do the miraculous, we receive it, but only if it brings you more glory in our lives. God, thank you. The greatest miracle is our salvation. God, I thank you that the greatest power of God is that you change us and you make us more like you. Lord, we may walk with a limp forever like Jacob, God, if that's what it takes for us to look like we've wrestled with and been with God, I'll take that limp. Lord, I thank you that you make us more like you. You transform us to the glory of God forever. Now, Lord, we submit our lives to you. It's all about Jesus. Everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me so I can live for him. Say, God, draw me close. Let me hear what you're trying to do in me. Let me see the power of God. Let me see the hand of God at work in me. I will pursue you. I will long for you. I'll draw close to you because you love me, because I love you too. Say, Lord, I'm all in. I confess my sin. I give you my whole life in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good father. Come on, thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good father. Hallelujah. Hey, before you leave, if you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is here at the front of the room. We can pray with you in the lobby as well. LifePoint, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Men, we have a gift for you on the way out. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Peace out, everybody.